Today's episode of the Watson Weekly Podcast is sponsored by Commerce Tools. The world of commerce is fast-paced and constantly changing. Commerce Tools, the global leader in commerce and creator of the powerfully composable mock architecture, enables commerce leaders to turn possibilities into reality. Commerce Tools helps businesses go from underperforming to overachieving, and from keeping up to setting the pace, all at a lower total cost. Go to commercetools.com to learn how to get started. It's November 20th, 2023. And this is the Watson Weekly, your essential e-commerce digest. Today on our show, Target Q3 2023 earnings surprise, Shopify's recent outage, update on Amazon Fresh, my 2024 outlook, and finally, the Investor Minute, which contains five items this week from the world of venture capital, acquisitions, and IPOs. But first, in our shopping cart full of news, Target Q3 2023 earnings surprise. It looks like Target had a good quarter, at least on the profitability front, and I thought it might be a good time to unpack it here, since I think there are lessons here for everyone in the industry. The story of Target the past three years is navigating the pandemic bullwhip more so than the average retailer. Departing COO John Mulligan, he's retiring, told the story well. In 2021, the company could not secure enough inventory to meet the demand due to digital growth. In 2022, that growth fell off a cliff, discretionary spending reversed, and the company was left with way too much inventory. As a result, the company's operating margin was set at historical lows. In 2023, the company began right-sizing its inventory and decided to control what they can control. Here's a quick Q3 2023 earnings recap for Target. Comparable sales are down 4.9%. Revenue is down 4.2%. Gross margin is 27.4%, which is up 11% year over year. Operating margins are up a full point compared to last year at 5.2%. Here are a few odds and ends that I pulled out of the earnings release. Same-day sales are up. One of the only things that are up in the digital business, led by drive-up being up 12% year-over-year. Comparable sales at the beginning of 2023 were expected to be about flat, but they actually came in down 5%. This is more than expected, even given Target's huge efforts. Beauty is a category with significant outlier, which had high single-digit growth year-over-year. And the company plans to launch Rihanna by Fenty in the stores soon. Discretionary spending is down year-over-year on a high single to low double digits. Electronics and apparel are the worst. Home had a high single-digit decline. Other revenue, which includes advertising, was basically flat, proving that Target is still a retail media outlier. Here are a few of the macro trends that Target is reporting based on their guest experiences. Both units and sales are down for discretionary items seven quarters in a row. Food and beverage inflation is still up 25% since the pre-pandemic era. Consumers are still making difficult choices and responding to heavy promotions. In response to this, Target has identified four key factors that all multi-category retailers should be thinking about in the face of these trends. First is right-size your inventory. 
particularly in declining discretionary categories. Everything else fails if you get this wrong. Target's inventory is actually down 14% year over year, and discretionary inventory is even lower at 19% down. Two, the companies identified $25 as a critical price point across the assortment. This must be highlighted to consumers, especially during shopping seasons. Third, invest in newness, and particularly on-trend and fresh items. And fourth, on weeks without shopping, promotions seem to be about the only thing that are driving demand. Don't chase unsustainable gains, however. And finally, for Q4 2023, Target is forecasting mid-single-digit comp declines, which feels about right in a balanced discretionary retailer and is probably just about the best you can do with huge efforts in these categories. These lessons from Target, I think all retailers need to hear. We're all not in essentials or replenishables. Cautious category-by-category inventory planning is the essential watchword. Our second story. Let's talk about Shopify's recent outage. Last week, one of the biggest stories of the week was Shopify's 45-minute outage. As a result of the outage, the company has instituted a code freeze for the rest of the holiday period. The horse is out of the barn already is kind of a term that comes to mind when I think about enacting a code freeze the week before Black Friday, right after a 45-minute outage. The old e-commerce developer in me is reminded, isn't this Q4? Don't code freezes usually start mid-October timeframe at the earliest and November 1st at the latest? At the beginning of the outage, I was randomly browsing some Shopify websites with an agency friend and noticed the outage around 3.27 p.m. Eastern time and have a few questions that I feel need to be asked as a result of this. First, If you don't proactively freeze codes heading into the busiest time of the year, when will you do it? Is it much of a status page if you can't even see the time frame of recent events? It looks like it only covers the past two weeks. Aren't breaking database changes the riskiest type of change to attempt regardless? Can't artificial intelligence analyze and detect the certain types of developer changes? And how long until more transparency and trust becomes part of their enterprise messaging instead of just innovation? One of the first SaaS companies in the world, Salesforce famously and successfully convinced the world that multi-tenant SaaS software was reliable. And one way they did that was by having extensive and detailed, I recall even multi-year audit log of production issues to keep the company accountable. Sadly, Salesforce's vaunted trust.salesforce.com is just a shell of what it used to be from my point of view, only showing details for the past few weeks. This leaves me with my last question for the community. What is Shopify's real uptown? On a help page, sure, their marketing team says 99.99%, but that is 52 minutes of downtime a year. Considering they used up 45 of those minutes last week, I'm guessing the webpage might need to change. In addition to their quality assurance processes, I would also love to see improvements in Shopify's status pages. It would benefit the entire community. I am, of course, sympathetic in some respects in that there's no such thing as perfection in software as a service, Still, there are things to get better here, and based on Shopify's desire to go much further up market, it needs to hold itself to a much higher standard than just releasing more code than anyone else. After all, it's not just the rebels relying on them anymore, and it's not just the rebels they're pitching anymore either. Our third story. Could 2024 be the end of the line for Amazon Fresh? Amazon has been in the grocery business since it acquired Whole Foods in 2017. The problem is, 
they have not improved their situation very much since then. Amazon Fresh, its value concept for grocery has opened up, but the company has tried to add so much technology to the stores that they ended up like sterile wastelands. It seems like Amazon has a new VP of retail in the U.S. and is finally focused on getting back to fundamentals, according to a recent article in Retail Dive. The problems she indicates are as follows. Assortment gaps preventing customers from building a full basket. Basic grocery experience was cold and lifeless. And not enough convenience with prepared foods. This sounds bad. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how is the play? Amazon has a long road ahead of it and still is trying to learn what makes a grocery retailer work. I'm left wondering, even if Amazon happens to figure out what makes a regular retailer, why would people give up the store they already shop at? Creating a welcoming store could just as easily end up another empty store. And do I trust Amazon with my groceries is one question that comes to my mind. I think the question is still unanswered. In the article, the Amazon VP of retail says that if they can figure out the formula, they will expand it. And sounds like they don't know yet. And this is six years in. If Amazon's grocery expansion was a sports betting line, I would be betting the under. And our last story, my 2024 outlook. We've had two good recent earnings at Amazon and Shopify, and even Target seems to have figured out at least its profitability issues. This is kind of good for retail overall heading into the holidays. Overall though, there's no rising tide lifting and sinking all the boats. Most companies have their own stories. Amazon is buoyed by advertising and cloud. Shopify's accelerated growth in Europe and POS. On the downside, UPS was still recovering from both Teamster's contract parcel diversion and weaker year-over-year shipment numbers from its customers. Target's digital business is still struggling to be relevant in a world where discretionary income is hard to come by. The best analogy for 2024 at the moment is the shrug emoji. We're actually past the point of profitability and economic trends affecting many companies' restructuring decisions. However, that means that those who are still out there making adjustments are in more dire circumstances than the early adopters. In other words, I don't expect better nudes. Companies like Maersk, Carta, BigCommerce, Fair, Salsify, and others show you that even relatively well-funded companies have layoff and profitability issues, and as a result, there is little margin for error. Shopify cut 20% of its workforce in May of this year and have signaled that AI will likely flatten out its support hiring going forward. On the SaaS side, You have some out there predicting a startup extinction event, and in large part, I think that's happening. The venture capitalists who took flyers on companies during the pandemic don't have unlimited capital anymore, and many are loath to take chances on companies that can't attract another lead investor. In this environment, I would encourage all SaaS founders with less than 16 months of runway to be almost continually fundraising. The reason? Just because many VCs and investors are looking for perfection right now, doesn't mean they all have the same definition. Give yourself time and runway to fight another day. Hey, Watsonians. Do you wonder what the FTC thinks about what Amazon did to Zulily or Jet.com? Did Amazon harm them or kill them? If you're in our online community, you would know. To stay on top of what's going on in e-commerce and join the conversation, visit community.rmwcommerce.com today. Now a word from our sponsor, Commerce Tools. When a multi-billion dollar beauty brand's e-commerce platform near the end of its life, the entire business was at risk, including the ability to serve customers. 
By switching to commerce tools and embracing a more flexible mock architecture, the retailer's vision of connecting in-store and personalized shopping experiences became a reality. The brand can now roll out new features within days, securing its position as a modern brand that uses technology to its advantage. If you're being held hostage by your technology platform and your developers have thrown up their hands, tell them to start a free trial at commercetools.com today. It's that time, friends, for our Investor Minute. We have five items on the menu today. First, Omnicom acquires Flywheel Digital for $835 million. Omnicom has acquired Flywheel Digital, a marketplace agency, for $835 million, a move that continues the trend of incumbent agencies acquired e-commerce or digital marketplace agencies. Second, Shein buys UK fast fashion brand Misguided. Shein, a global fashion marketplace, has acquired the intellectual property and trademarks of UK-based Misguided, marking a significant expansion for their business model. After acquiring stake in Forever 21, Shein wants to be more involved with the manufacturing and selling branded fashion. Third, FCP Euro raises $25 million Series A. FCP Euro, an auto parts retailer, has raised $25 million in Series A funding. The new capital will be used to grow the company's geographic footprint. The aftermarket auto sector is fascinating and FCP Euro is growing quickly. Congrats to CEO Scott Droz and all my friends at FCP Euro on the fundraising. The first capital raised in the company's 20-year history. Fourth, Tory Burch hires Morgan Stanley to explore options. Tory Burch has enlisted Morgan Stanley to explore strategic opportunities like a potential public listing, sale, or new investors. Tory Burch prides itself on being private. Why is the company exploring opportunities? And finally, DaVinci Microfulfillment raised a $3 million seed round. Edge Fulfillment and software provider DaVinci Microfulfillment raised a seed round in order to help accelerate its growth, expand its software offerings, and I'm sure continue to open new facilities. So happy to see this for CEO Corey Aperian, a Watsonian and great friend of the program. Looking forward to bigger and better things from DaVinci in the future. Today's final word of the week for November 20th, 2023 is inventory. If you're in retail right now, you've had quite the problem the last few years managing inventory. Going from the digital COVID explosion to the post-pandemic hangover has been rough. 2023 is hopefully giving everyone a lot of practice in what consumers are expecting now with tighter wallets so that the learnings and you can bring them into 2024. That's all for this week. Till next time, Watsonians. Hi, I'm Rick Watson, CEO and founder of RMW Commerce Consulting and host of the Watson Weekly Podcast, your essential e-commerce digest. Our production partner for the series is Citizen Racecar. The show is produced by Jose Baez, production manager, Gabriela Montequin. To hear new episodes of the show every Monday morning, subscribe now at rmwcommerce.com slash Watson Weekly and wherever you get your podcasts.